0: Hebrews 20.20, we see Jesus increment 2.12, and this is a continuation, really, of the theme that we began on Easter Sunday, and I think it's probably gelling with Brian's message, who has been making the case that Christ, our Passover lamb, was sacrificed on Passover. He is making that case, even as John, in the fourth gospel, made that case audaciously and boldly, and we're grateful for it. Father, we into your hands. I entrust my spirit, O God of truth, that your truth, the truth of your word, the truth that is embodied in Jesus, will be manifested to your glory. And I also entrust into your care and into your hands and into your power, all those who hear this message, that they may benefit to the maximum by it in terms of challenge, illumination, motivation, life. I ask this in Christ's name, amen. Part two of the kind of archpriest we need, the kind of archpriest we need. In our last increment, I misspelled the word athetesis. Here it is, Hebrews 9.26. I leave it there for a moment so that you can see it because it is what was being accomplished in Christ's passion when he endured the cross. And In enduring the cross, he became the judge who was judged in our place. He became our representative as our great archpriest. And not only our priest, but the lamb offered by the priest. He became both the priest and the lamb, even as he was the judge and the judged. That's the kind of archpriest we need. That's the kind of archpriest we need because we cannot extract ourselves from the human condition in sin. No way. Can't do it. Got to be grace. Got to be all grace. Got to be power. God's omnipotent power. The omnipotent power of his love. Can't live the spiritual life unto the pleasing of God except through faith. And faith is the only attitude, human attitude, that is compatible with God's Grace, his utter grace is all grace. Athetasis then means the doing away with the putting off of or the removal of very strong word really, Jesus Christ appeared once at the crux of the ages, the crux of the ages to put away sin, or not to put it away, but for the putting away of sin. It was performed in his passion. I mentioned the last time that critics of the so-called substitution aspect of the cross, especially of that penal substitution, some of their criticism is well taken, others', others criticisms are not that many critics of the substitutionary atoning work of Jesus Christ on the cross have not engaged with Karl Barth. And I have recently read those 70 pages I mentioned in the last increment. One of the things that Barth said, I'm going to give you three things really quickly of what he said about Christ's passion. One, this is on page 253 of Karl Barth's, Christian, or Church Dogmatics, Volume 4.1. If Jesus Christ, in Jesus Christ, has occurred our redemption, in him he was judged in our place. And he said this, this is Barth, quote, If Jesus Christ has followed our way of sinners to the end to which it tends, the outer darkness, then we can say with that passage from the Old Testament, namely Isaiah 53, that he has suffered this punishment of ours. But we must not make this the main concept, and I think that's well taken. He received this punishment. He suffered this punishment of ours. There it is, the penal substitution that people are so freaked out about because it's violent. It reveals a vengeful God. It's even sadistic or masochistic and tends toward making people that. Well, none of that's true, but... It, what is true is that we must not make this the main concept. Barth then goes on to say, on page 253 and 254 of that same volume, speaking of the judge that was judged in our place, he said, the decisive thing is that in the suffering and death of Jesus Christ, it has come to pass that in his own person he has made an end of us as sinners and therefore of sin itself by going to death as the one who took our place as sinners in his person he has delivered up us sinners and sin itself to destruction he has removed us sinners and sin negated us, cancelled us out how do you like that cancel culture he cancelled us out the ultimate cancellation you have been cancelled out I have been cancelled out we in our old sinful selves have been holocausted in the offering of the Lamb of God. He goes on to say he has removed us sinners and sin. Again, negated us, canceled us out. Ourselves, our sin, and the accusation, condemnation, and perdition which had overtaken us. Not only did he cancel out us as sinners and cancel out us in sin and sin itself for us, he also negated, canceled the accusation against us, the condemnation of us, and the perdition which had overtaken us, which is perdition meaning the outer darkness that would ultimately lead in what hell preachers like to call hell. He canceled that. That's me a little bit interpreting Barth. But then on page 254, he says, The passion of Jesus Christ, and that's our subject since last Sunday. The passion of Jesus Christ is the judgment of God in which the judge himself was the judged. And as such... It is at its heart and center the victory which has been won for us in our place in the battle against sin. This is what we might call Barth's law of the cross. It kind of correlates with Lonergan's law of the cross, by which all the evils of the human race are converted into the supreme good by the just and mysterious law of the cross. It's what Luther called Theologica Crucis, the theology of the cross, in which Moltmann also called the theology of the cross, the passion of the Christ. The passion of the Christ is the action of God to reconcile the world to himself. The passion of the Christ, which is not the son of man working but receiving judgment, is the reconciliation of the human race by God. The passion of the Christ is the action of God in reconciling the world to Christ to, to God. God was in Christ reconciling. Who was doing the work there? God. God was reconciling. Who was enduring the passion? Who was in the place of passion or or of a passive receiving? The lamb who was led like a lamb to the slaughter. He was passive in that in that he received willingly the judgment of God in our place. The judgment of God upon sinners and sin was occurred in the judge, Jesus Christ. God is the judge of all. We've come to him already. We don't go to him in the future. The Bible says you've already come to the judge of all. You've already come to him. Because God the judge of all entrusted all judgment to Jesus the son of man because he's the son of man in John 5:27 and the judge of all who entrusted the judge all judgment to his son knew of course that his son would take all that judgment unto himself It was for judgment that I came into this world. It was for a judgment that I came into this world. God judged sin in Jesus Christ to whom he entrusted all judgment. God didn't send his son into the world to judge the world, that the world would be judged, but so that through him the world would be saved. Why saved? Because God didn't send his son to judge the world. His son was sent who received the judgment of the world in the world's place. To save the world. To save the world. Now I pray that that announcement and that that judgment and the announcement of that judgment will make you blind if you think you see. If you think you're justified by the works of the law, if you think you're justified by your own personal individual faith, if you think you're justified and have kept your salvation because you cuz you've kept yourself holy and pious and good and because you do good works and because you feel warm and Soviet fuzzy on a good Friday afternoon for three hours and because you shut up for three hours for the first time all year. You think you're holy. You think you're righteous. You think you're better than the next guy, better than the Muslim, better than the Hindu, better than the atheist because of something you did. I pray this message will strike you blind and that God will make you see from that position of blindness that you and I and the whole world are justified in God's sight because Jesus Christ, to whom he committed all judgment, was judged in our place and received that judgment. That's the passion of Christ. And the passion of Christ is something we always look to even when we see the resurrected Christ because he still retains the scars in his hands and feet and side that he endured while he was being judged in our place willingly. That's the passion of the Christ. So then, this is for the putting away of sin by the sacrifice of Himself. Christ appeared once for the putting away of sin. By the sacrifice of himself, this is the kind of priest we need. Why? Because the priest became the offering. The priest is the lamb. The lamb and the priest are one. The archpriest and the offered lamb are one. That's the kind of priest we need. We don't need a priest who's a sinful man, a weak man, a man who's going to die and be replaced by another priest. We don't need an archpriest who takes a lamb other than himself and offers blood other than his own. We need a priest who offered himself once and for all and who lives forever in the power of a resurrected life and intercedes for us to save us completely. We need that kind of priest who is also the offering, who not by the blood of others but by his own blood secured eternal redemption for us. Pro nobis, for us all, pro nobis omnibus, for you pro se, for me, pro me, for all, pro omnibus. So then, Christ appeared once in the crux of the ages for the putting away of sin by the sacrifice of himself, for the athetasis of sin. In Christ's passion, God put away sin. Call it expiation if you want. It means total removal. Look, there's the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Why? Because the sins of the world were placed on him, and like the scapegoat, he went into the wilderness, into the desert now with our sins on him. Because of the blood of the everlasting covenant and because our justification was won by that blood, then God only and exclusively justifies as the action of his justice. In Jesus' death and by the blood of Jesus, all are justified because all were justified in his death and by his blood which is to say the same thing god raised him from the dead the god of peace led up brought up from the realm of the dead and out from the reign of death the great shepherd of the sheep our lord jesus you can match up, and I'll say this again, Hebrews 13.20 with Romans 4.26. There's another cohesion and harmony between Romans and Hebrews because Andrew Jukes is the only one I've ever seen translated this way and it's translated correctly. He says in Romans 4.25 that In fact, this is a paragraph from his book entitled, The Law of the Offerings. Quote, it is no future work, no promised work, no work yet to be accomplished, but a finished work, which is our sure foundation. He bore our sins. This is God's testimony. And having borne them, he was raised because we were justified. Because we were justified. He was raised because we were justified. When were we justified? We were justified in his death. At his death. Pastor Craig Brown said recently in two funeral services that the one who had departed to be with the Lord, the one who was being eulogized, he said she was saved in A.D. 30. And he's absolutely right. Shocking, but wonderfully true. We were justified, and because we were justified in Christ's death, where he was delivered up for our sins, because we were justified in that death, God raised him from the dead. Okay, everybody's justified in your death, so I'm going to raise you from the dead in answer to Your death. I'm going to raise you up from the dead and give you a transformed corporeality, a transphysical body of glory forever and ever as the beginning of a new creation. Why? Because your death secured their justification, the justification of all humankind. So my verdict on your death is your resurrection from the dead. I hope you see that. And because it means the justification of all, I'll just say this. It means the justification of all was secured by his death because if you follow the reasoning all the way to Romans 5:18, you find that through the one righteous act of Jesus Christ, which is the obedience of the son of God to the death, the extent of the death of the cross by his one righteous act All are justified because all the human race was justified in his death, which is another way of saying you've been justified by his blood in Romans 5, 9. Therefore, God has raised him from the dead. The whole resurrection of the dead, resurrection of Jesus from the dead, happened because you were justified in his death. There's an Easter message. And it's still kind of Easter season, even though this is late April. Maybe April maybe you're listening on April twenty fourth, fifth. Maybe you're listening in June of twenty twenty three. Who knows? Now Where is Romans compatible with Hebrews? Hebrews 13.20 says that the God of peace brought up from the dead, meaning from the realm of death, the realm of the dead, of dead people. He brought him up out of the realm of the dead. Who? That great shepherd of the sheep, our Lord Jesus. But why? Because of the blood of the everlasting covenant. He brought him up out of the dead because of God's verdict on the blood of the everlasting covenant that was, in effect, shed at the cross. The everlasting covenant was ratified by the blood of Jesus Christ, even as God's justice was satisfied in his death. God's verdict on the blood of the everlasting covenant, which is another way of saying the death of Jesus Christ in which the judge was judged for us. God's verdict on that everlasting blood was to Bring up from the dead the great shepherd of the sheep, Jesus our Lord. Who did it? The God of peace. Why the God of peace? Because the God of peace was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. While Jesus received the judgment that was committed to him by the judge of all, the Father was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not charging them with their trespasses. Why would he when Christ was receiving the judgment on those trespasses and becoming sin? All right. Am I sorry for the passion that I'm expressing? No, of course not. Because of the blood of the everlasting covenant and because our justification was won, W-O-N, by it, then God only and exclusively justifies uh, as the action of his justice based on Jesus receiving of our judgment in our place. So because God is the judge of all, and Jesus received in himself the judgment of all, then God justifies all because of Jesus and because of the blood of the everlasting covenant. God justifies only and exclusively by grace, based on the redemption that is in Christ Jesus that was already Secured in and by Christ Jesus. Romans 3.24, Hebrews 13.12, Hebrews 9.12. In Jesus' death and by the blood of Jesus, all are justified. Because all were justified in his death and by his blood, God raised him from the dead. How did God answer the fact that you were justified in Christ's death and that I was and that all were? He, rose, he raised him from the dead. This is a pretty dramatic answer. That's a pretty dramatic verdict. Resurrection of Jesus is the verdict of God, the judge of all. God is therefore now called God who justifies in Romans eight thirty three and 34. The God who is the judge of all is the justifier of all because of Jesus, whose death is the justification of all. Wow. Because all were justified in his death and by his blood God raised him from the dead. The God of peace led up from the realm of the dead and out from the reign of death. The great shepherd of the sheep is a forecast of all of us being led up and out of that death. For we were dead in trespasses and sins and God made us alive together with Christ. Our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep. Great shepherd means he's shepherd of all. And the sheep are all of humanity. He saves the 99, but he also saves the one, and so he saves the 100, and he saves the all. Now all of this speaks to the chronological universality. Notice that phrase, or that term. This all speaks to the chronological universality and to the extensional universality. These are terms used by Alaria Romelli in her article entitled The Universal and Eternal Validity of Jesus' Priestly Sacrifice. Hey, that's quite a name for an article in the book called The Cloud of Witnesses that was edited by Bauckham and Daniel Driver and Trevor Hart and Nathaniel MacDonald, published in several years ago. Again, Ramelli, in her article called The Universal and Eternal Validity of Jesus' Priestly Sacrifice, The Epistle to the Hebrews in Support of Origins Theory of Apocatastasis. That's quite a long title. She uses the phrase chronological universality, which is the way of saying, at least as I see it, that the redemptive act of God in Christ, the justifying (coughs) passion of Christ, resulted in the redemption not only of all creation, but all time, all history. And extensional universality means that, (coughs) excuse me, it extended to all created reality, including all rational creatures, and within all rational creatures, all human beings. So these are terms used by Ms. Ramelli when she showed that Hebrews was the main source of origins theory of apocatastasis, which is the restoration of all things. In a nutshell, the chronological universality of the effect of Jesus' blood and death is the salvation of all of creation in all of its times, hence chronological universality. And the extensional universality of the effect of the blood of the everlasting covenant or the blood of Jesus extends not only to all of humanity, but all rational creatures and all created reality, and I think that also includes the animal kingdom, as well as anything and all things that were ever created by God. Sin wasn't created by God, neither was evil, so sin and evil are excluded from the new creation. Now, God raised Jesus from the dead, to show his approval of the son's death as the judgment on sin and as the means of reconciling of all who had sinned, which is all of humanity, except Jesus Christ, the sinless one who knew no sin. He who knew no sin became sin for us, pro nobis, for us pro nobis omnibus, for us all. 2 Corinthians 5.14, Romans 8.32. Again, God raised Jesus from the dead to show his own approval of the son's death as the judgment of sin, on sin, and as the means of the reconciliation of all who had sinned. That's why God's called the God of peace, and that's why Hebrews 13.20 says, the God of peace. Peace, we could say the God who secured this reconciliation in Christ. Brought up from the realm of the dead, our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, because of, N, there, in its meaning of because of. The word N is the workhorse, as Daniel B. Wallace rightly said, the workhorse preposition of all in the New Testament, most often used preposition, I believe, in all the New Testament Greek, and it has about 36 meanings and nuances and usages, 10 major ones, and of the 10 major ones, the fourth in that broad 10 categories means on account of or because of. So we would say that God raised Jesus from the dead in Romans 4.25 because of our justification or because we were justified in his death. And we would say similarly in Hebrews thirteen twenty that God brought up out of the realm of the dead, another way of saying he raised him from the dead, on account of and because of the blood of the everlasting covenant, which was shed for the forgiveness of the sins of many or all. Because of what Christ accomplished in his death, God raised him from the dead. That's an Easter message. That's the cross, not the cottontail. That's what Peter the Apostle preached in 1 Peter 2.24. Not Peter cottontail. So in a nutshell, the chronological universality of the effect, we call it the universal impact of the cross of Christ, the effect of Jesus' blood or death is the salvation of all, of creation in all of its times and therefore the redemption of time and history itself and the extensional universality of the effect of the blood of the everlasting covenant or we call it the universal impact of the cross of Christ, extends not only to all of humanity, but to all rational creatures and all created reality. Remember, all creation is groaning in expectation of its liberation from entropy and its joining of the glorious freedom of the children of God, its experience of that forever. God raised Jesus from the dead to show his approval of the son's death as the judgment on sin and the means of the reconciliation of all who had sinned. That's why Hebrews 13.20 says, the God of peace brought up from the realm of the dead, our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, because of N. Because of the blood of the everlasting covenant. It was shed, it ratified an everlasting covenant. Again, Daniel B. Wallace is credited with saying that the Greek preposition N is, quote, the workhorse of prepositions in the New Testament. And he listed 10 broad categories of its usage with the date of case. And he included as the fourth category called cause, the category called cause and translated, because of. That's found on page 372 of his excellent book on grammar called Greek Grammar Beyond the Basics, an exegetical syntax of the New Testament that uses scripture and exegesis. And again, this was the use that Andrew Jukes applied by, to the preposition in Romans 4.25, which he translated, he was delivered paradidomi, because of our sins and raised because of our justification. Now there it's not N, but dia, which is also a preposition and has a meaning similar to N in this case, because dia is also because of or on account of. So Romans 4.25, again, Jukes translated it splendidly by saying that God, he was delivered because of our sins or handed over because of our sins and resurrected because of our justification. Or Jukes put it boldly, because we were justified. We were justified by Christ's death, which is the culmination of his faithful obedience to the radical, all-saving love of God. Once again, in the Gingrich lexicon, also an excellent lexicon, the shorter lexicon, if you don't want to do a whole lot of work, Gingrich said that N is the most common preposition in the New Testament, used with the greatest variety of meanings included among them, because of or on account of. So from that, we conclude that God brought Jesus up and out of the realm of the dead because of, or we could say in answer to, the blood of the everlasting covenant, meaning that God raised Jesus from the dead because his blood, which is also his death, the blood of the Lamb of God, the death of our Replacement, our representative, our priest, our la- the Lamb of God. Again, God raised Jesus from the dead because Jesus' blood, the blood of the Lamb of God, was sufficient to ratify a new and everlasting covenant. Said another way, Jesus' blood justified all of humanity. Romans five nine and saved them from the wrath that could have been directed to them because of sin. Said another way, all of the world was reconciled in Jesus Christ's death. Jesus Christ's death was his passion and God's action, who in Christ was reconciling the world to himself, not charging their sins or trespasses to them. On the other hand, though, it could be said that Jesus' passion may also be conceived as an action by him in this sense only, because it is said that he bore or carried away. And this ultimately is typically or in type referring to the action of the scapegoat on the Day of Atonement, but again, as I'm going to hopefully establish in future messages, Jesus as the Lamb of God comprises and comprehends in himself all the sacrificial types. So, in other words, topic, Jesus, Lamb of God. Underneath that, A, B, C, D, etc., is the scapegoat or the goats, the two goats, the lamb for the burnt offering, the Passover lamb, the sacrifices for the atonement on the day of atonement, the red heifer offering, the grain offerings, the meal offerings, the turtle dove offered by the poor, etc. All of these offerings come under the one comprehensive title, Jesus the Lamb of God. He's not called the ram of God. He's not called the goat of God. He's not called the dove of God. He's not called the heifer of God. He is the Lamb of God, but in calling him the Lamb of God, that combines and comprises all these other types as fulfilled in him. So once again, this action of carrying away the sins of the world is normally the action of the scapegoat, but as we're going to establish, Jesus as the Lamb of God comprises and comprehends in himself all the sacrificial types as the Lamb. He is therefore the single antitype for all these types. He is the substance and the reality corresponding to these shadow sacrifices. He is the once and for all sacrifice that fulfilled all the categories of sacrifices in the Old Testament, sometimes offered by the Israelites themselves, sometimes by priests, Sometimes once a year, especially by the arch priest under the law. So Jesus didn't come to destroy the law, but to fulfill it. And that includes the cultic aspect of the law, the offerings and sacrifices. He came to fulfill both the law with all of its types and the prophets with all of their predictions. And that's something that we could really hit again in Matthew 5.17, but that's not exactly on point for what I want to say as we conclude this message. So on the other hand, Jesus' passion may also be conceived of as an action by him because it is said that he bore or carried away the sin of the world as the Lamb of God. The word to bear our sins or bear the sins of many is weak compared to what it really says in Hebrews 9.28. That he bore the sins of many means that he carried away, put away and removed forever the sins of all mankind. Paul interpreted Isaiah 53.11 and 12 with his own use of the word all in Romans 5.18 and, in fact, throughout the whole interpretation of the Adam Christology in 5.12 to 21. In his passion, he bore the sins of many, as Hebrews 9.28 put it, according to Isaiah 53.12. But as Hebrews 9.26 says, Christ appeared once at the crux of the ages for the putting away of sin by the sacrifice of himself so as the priest he acted by offering himself as the lamb he was passively recipient the recipient of being that offering this is the kind of priest we need in hebrews 7:26 because he is not only a priest, but a lamb. Not only the archpriest, but the singular lamb of God who took away the sin of the world, carried it away, put it away, made it not to be anymore, in fact, made it non-existent. This same one who bore the sins of many justified many. In other words, this one, who carried away the sins of all, justified all. As we well know now, the many there was interpreted by Paul as all in Romans 5.18. We should know that. If you've been listening to me for any time at all, you should know that by now. Gathering all of this in a single arc of coherence then, we're able to conclude with all confidence and assurance That the death of Jesus Christ, also known as the blood of Jesus, secured justification for all mankind, also known as eternal redemption. And that his resurrection was precisely because his death, also known as his blood, had secured justification and redemption and eternal life for all. For the wages of sin is death for all, and the gift of God is eternal life for all through Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans 6.23. So in this pair of what we could call a pair of Easter messages, increments 2.11 and 2.12, We see the value of knowing nothing apart from Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Jesus Christ and Him crucified is our Passover lamb who has been slaughtered. 1 Corinthians 2 2. Match it up with 5 7 of 1 Corinthians. As in Revelation 5 5 and 6, the lamb once and for all, having been slaughtered, is now standing. He's standing, having been slaughtered. Standing refers to his standing up again in resurrection after being slaughtered. I saw a lamb as it had been slaughtered, meaning it had the whole countenance of and appearance of one who had been slaughtered and yet is standing and alive. Jesus Christ retaining the scars that were acquired in his acquiring of eternal redemption for us by his own blood. The resurrection of the Lamb of God, therefore, makes us look back to his death in which the justification of all humanity and even the rectification and liberation of all creation occurred and to look back to and even forward to and even above at his blood by which eternal redemption was secured. Even in his new and startlingly glorious resurrection corporeality, bodily Glory, glorious body, his new flesh and bones luke twenty four thirty nine Our Lord still retains the scars obtained in his passion, but in his resurrection and his new transcorporeality, his glorious new bodily existence. We're also caused to look at the one who is the beginning of the new creation in Revelation 3.14. A new creation in which he comprises everything in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible. This Christ, this Jesus, is just the kind of archpriest that we all need. Because just as he is the judge who is judged in our place, so he is also the archpriest who is also the lamb offered for us. I want to close by once more giving our attention to a correlation, strong correlation between Romans 4.25 and Hebrews 3, 20, 13, 20, 13, 20, where it says, Now may the God of peace who brought up from the dead the great shepherd of the sheep, our Lord Jesus, by the blood of the everlasting covenant, by or because of our justification being one in his death in Romans 4, 25, God raised him from the dead. It's the father's verdict on the judge who was judged in our place. The father's verdict is justification for all humanity based on the judge who was judged in our place. Romans 4.25, he who was delivered over or handed over because of our sins was raised because we were justified in his death. Likewise, God raised or brought up from the dead the great shepherd of the sheep, our Lord Jesus, because of, on account of, the blood of the everlasting covenant by which we were redeemed and justified. God recognized that all the human race was justified and redeemed in Christ's death and by Christ's blood, so he answered that, By raising Jesus from the dead. By or because of the blood of the everlasting covenant in Hebrews 13.20 is essentially equivalent, therefore, to because of our justification in Romans 4.25. Just as God raised Jesus from the dead because his death justified us, that is, all of us, So God brought up from the dead the Lord Jesus because of the blood of the everlasting covenant, that is, because of or on account of the blood by which the better, new, and everlasting covenant was ratified, which was efficacious to justify us all because it was pro nobis omnibus for us all. So note this also in our final word, note this also in connection with Romans 5.9, which says we have now been justified by Christ's blood. Our justification was won by Jesus' death, a.k.a. his blood. And so his resurrection occurred precisely because his atoning death, a.k.a. his blood was accepted by God as our justification and salvation. A salvation which has a chronological as well as an extensional universality. This is the universally saving significance of Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God. This is the universal, redemptive, reconciling, rectifying, restorative impact of the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ for this father we thank you now we thank you tomorrow we thank you into and throughout the ages to come in Jesus name Amen